Yeah, for for a while there, I was buying anything and everything copyright related, uh, just so I can, you know, improve my skills and and kind of pair up copywriting with SEO content writing, uh, et cetera. And I think that's probably something valuable that people should you know look into. They're definitely linked. Yeah. Um, I did. It was like an AdWords, AdWords ad secrets book. Uh, name right now. I read it a long time ago. I need to crack open a new copy of it and and do it again. Uh, but yeah, I think that copywriting and SEO are two really good skills for anyone to have, and you can pretty much transition copywriting to everything that you do. So, well, and psychology of sales. You know, yeah. all three need to come together. Yeah, and really, at the end of the day, that if you can provide those three things uh, for a client, they're going to stick around. So they hired you for SEO, and you said, "Oh, by the way, let's do this, this, and this," and you get more sales for them. Uh, it's a, it's a winning proposition, I think. <sighs> let's see here. I was just checking my stupid. Uh, Bar thing now actually faces the right way, so that's a good sign. We got it flipped. <laughs> As you can see, I am progressing the show and the techniques. So, everyone, welcome to SEO this week, episode 118. Getting there, getting a whole list of stuff going on. Pretty, that's pretty cool. Uh, I like to welcome my weekly co-host Tobias. How you doing, Ted? Doing good. Uh, just hard at work on Cora Five. Yeah, I seen some comments and some other groups where you're already thinking Cora Six. I was like, "Holy hell, where's Cora Five? I want that one first. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's to the point where I gotta say, okay, does does this feature idea make it in, or do we punt it and do it in a follow up version? And so yes. we're down to the wire. There's a lot of cool stuff in it. So I just, you know, a lot of people want me to to hurry up and release it, and <laughs> I'm down with that too. <laughs> you're doing all these screenshots and here's our fancy report we're getting and we're like where is that <laughs> <laughs> well you know one of one of the goals i have for the year not necessarily with cora 5 is i want to get to a thousand factors and the question always is how do we do that without crushing the people on slower computers <laughs> And, uh, you know, one of the other things is, you know, we, if we can get Cora 5 out with 880 factors, which is where it currently is at, like a few weeks earlier, then that's probably worth doing. And then we have a follow-up update where we get to 1,000. So that's what we're thinking. Do you think that there's a point where you're like, you know, I think I've kind of reached as many factors as I think is reasonable? Uh No. Because if someone can make an argument that it could be a factor in the future or it might have been a factor in the past and we can actually go out and empirically measure it, then we ought to put it in because we don't know what the future will bring. So if, if you can make an argument for it possibly being a factor and we can measure it, we, we ought to try. We ought to try. That, and that makes sense. And yeah, these things, you know, things, you know, come back or get killed and then come back later, like we're seeing nowadays. Something. Yeah, exactly. Then if it ever does hit the radar, we can know about it. Okay. 
Then you're not worried that that would be a wasted resources kind of thing. Well, it, we know. I mean, that's the whole thing is we get a list of a thousand factors, but the whole idea is to find the two or three dozen that actually matter. So you actually know which ones appear to move the needle versus the countless ones that don't. Exactly. And the only way you can know that is to check. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, first, I want to give you a shout out. If uh, anyone wants to start testing on stuff and they watched uh, SEO Fight Club and Ted's software on creating tests pages, uh, you have the beta program open for that. Or uh, closed beta. Public. It's closed beta. Yeah, the closed beta. Uh, but if you want to be in the open beta, you can contact me. Just uh, go through the. Uh, contact form on SEO Tool Lab, and I'll put you on the list. We're, we're only going to take uh, about 30 to 50 people for open beta phase one. And then after that, there will be a total open beta where anyone can use it for a while. That'd be perfect. Yep. And the, the value of that is, like, I'm not a big tester like Kyle and Ted. Like, they go out and find the cool new things. I just go out and implement them in the real world and see if it works or not. Uh, and now, because of the tool, I can do more of the testing stuff that Kyle does. So uh, think about, or yeah, that Kyle and Ted do. So think about uh, getting signed up for that. If anything, you can learn how to start doing the tests using that software. Uh, and if you don't want to be a tester and you just want to follow us, that's cool too. But um, there's just always an option there for you. Yeah, and testing is is for technical SEO. So you have to know HTML, you have to understand FTP and web hosting so that you can even configure these tools. You need, you know, multiple domains that you're not using for anything else. And so there's a, a, a lot of hurdles to jump to actually conducting your first test. And if you're up for that, then yeah, get in the program. If you're not, then you know maybe maybe get to the point where you can. You know, it's the thing to aspire to. Or just send us testing ideas. Hell, I'm looking for for more. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and and ideas on cool things that you're seeing in the search results that we should probably test. We want to hear about those. Yep, for sure. All right, let's get on with the show. Hopefully everyone can see the screen now. It's SEO This Week, episode 118, Power Words and Landing Pages. I don't know, I kind of, maybe I did a little clickbaity with that title. We'll see. Um, but we only have five stories, and then we're also going to do a site audit. One of the viewers was kind enough to reach out last week uh, and asked us to do a site audit. Ted went a little bit crazy. I was like, holy cat, slow down, Ted, because he, <laughs> uh, so I didn't want to make the guy cry, but well, we're going to get some, <laughs> some good information, and I think uh, you guys will all get something out of that site audit. of it. I'd like to thank Scott Rogers for being brave enough to send us the sites and giving us the opportunity to share our insights with him. Yeah, there's a, a fine line between help and abuse. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... This one is first. Let me close the SERP works. You guys recognize that one. Uh, SERP Woo. I know you guys, I've been following SERP Woo since they were in beta. I got like one old tiny accountant that's doing some great things uh, over there. And this is how to measure your competition in Google like a pro using the SERP Woo tool. Uh, you can kind of do this manually if you want to. 
or use uh, other products like Rank Tracker, et cetera, but they don't come to the amount of data that you can get using SerpWoo. Plus, they're using their server resources to pull all this stuff out. So you get to see the competition score, uh, some old school methods. Again, all the manual stuff right here uh, is really good. I think, let me point this, competition research is probably one of the most important things you do behind keyword research. Um, and I think you should be doing them almost simultaneously uh, to help you understand whether, one, if it's worth ranking for it, and two, is it even possible for you to rank for it because of your budget. Uh, so um, these are really good things to know. Again, here's the three uh, old school methods. And then if you scroll down here some more, you can actually see some insights into whether SERPLU would be worth it while for you to sign up. Um, not sure what the pricing is now. Let's see here. There's the pricing. I my account is actually again. I still have. I'm paying 19.95 for 13,000 keywords because I signed up for the beta. So, um, but really, I'm not even using that many. So you guys probably stick into the bronze and silver, and you'll be good. Uh, and then roll this into your clients' prices as you grow later on down the road they should allow you to do that pretty good so good customer service good tool great post providing some great information uh and if anything you can uh, you know gain some more insights i like this image here because ted showed us some uh the if you don't know core you can allow your keywords and your data to get sent to ted's servers and it correlates and blah 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 it kind of ranks things and ted you said uh, it's kind of a semi-spoiler, but not really, that Ahrefs data is actually way more accurate than the other two that are in there right now. Well, I, I wouldn't say uh, accurate is the right word. So what, what we did was we looked at the shared data to find out what the strongest correlating factors are. And the Ahrefs factors went sharply up post the Google Search Console rollout. And we're not sure why. It could be something with Google. So maybe Google likes those metrics better now or they, they correlate with rankings in Google better now. Um, it could also be that Ahrefs is doing something on their end to improve the correlations with rankings. So uh, one thing they could do on their end is add a whole lot more backlinks to the database. So if they aggressively added a whole lot more backlinks, then that could definitely favor them in those correlations. Um, we saw that uh, the Moz and SEM Rush and Majestic data trended downward while the Ahrefs trended upwards. So something that Google could be doing on their end is, you know, maybe they're disproportionately getting rid of uh, SEO link spam or, you know, downvaluing it. And maybe a larger slice of the link databases on those ones that trended downwards were SEO link spam. Um, so, so something's going on. We don't understand what it is because we don't know what Ahrefs is doing. We don't know what Google has changed. But for some reason, Ahrefs data just got a whole lot more in line with rankings in Google. 
I always like the better anyway, so this kind of just validates how smart I am. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> well, you see it go up and down, so they're the winner now. Doesn't mean they're the winner forever. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. They got their game going on pretty good. So yeah. Anyway, check out this post. Look at again. Look at Serpu. Uh, read some of this data and see if it's worthwhile for you. I think the article alone is really good, though. So um, check that out. Power words. So as we were talking uh, pre-show, uh, copywriting and SEO today, I think, are kind of intermixed. You can't really do one without the other, uh, especially when you're talking about on-page and optimizing your content to actually do what you want it to do, which is rank and then convert at the same time. Uh, so if you're good at mixing those two things together, you're going to have a lot more success both in both conversion and in SEO, uh, in my opinion. And one of the things that I like using are trigger words. So you're talking about sentiment, uh, like, uh, you know, Ted brought up in Fight Club about sentiment and best and top, et cetera. Well, these are some more trigger words that you can actually use inside of your content. Uh, in particular your title tags uh, to increase your CTR. Yeah, I'm I'm actually breaking it up into uh, categories now. So there's the sentiment words, there's recency words that have to deal with years and months and dates and uh, relative dates like today, yesterday, tomorrow, this week, this month. Yep. Um, and then there's also uh, commercial intent. So free, uh, special, discount, prices, costs, higher, you know, those types of commercial intent words. Right. Um, so when I kind of look at these, I'm going to kind of like mentally be breaking them down into those buckets. Well, here's some more buckets for you. The different types, according to the uh, smart blogger guys here, uh, fear encouragement lust anger greed safety and forbidden <laughs> that's kind of ominous uh and then they have the list that's here they have a list in the pdf you can get the pdf and download that out full uh or you can just pull the list here and click on the little box and they're all right there um, again i use these for title tags to increase uh click through rate uh try it out for yourselves title tags, H1s, et cetera, and see how they help with your conversions. A cool way to test is if you have some Twitter accounts, like well, I have a few thousand, uh, you can put a whole bunch of them in your Twitter accounts and see which ones get more engagement on Twitter or will kind of cheat your way into testing on the CTR, uh, on the Googles. So uh, that's a good option right there. Again, this is really cool. Uh, I like how the post alone is put together. I think there's some technology here that would be nice to see, the accordions and how they built these tables, et cetera, and hit them. Uh, the, how they turn this into a uh, an option for sign up to their list, et cetera. So this is, again, you can get way more out of just the post, out of the keywords, um, reverse engineer how they did it to get more audience build up to you. That's, that's pretty good. And they have really good engagement. So, yeah, this is a perfect example of something that uh, we could turn into a factor and see if it correlates. <laughs> yeah, I think those were, it's probably easy for you, my guess, adding all these words. Let's see if they pop in there. I do know that I went through some of them and I don't recommend or I don't recognize them being used often in the search terms that I'm involved in, but you know, lust 
this section here, I get a lot of workout in the adult section. So just so you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that their claim is that it's not any one particular word that's guaranteed to be a successful, but the collection as a whole uh, will correlate with success. That's that's what I think their claim is. And so, yeah, I'd have to make a factor with the entire list to say, does having any of these in a title or any of these in a heading correlate with rankings? That makes sense. That'd be pretty cool to know. All right, page rank. So way back, what is it, 2014, Ted, I think it was, they canceled the toolbar and said, hey, you guys can't see your page rank. Um, they but, didn't cancel page rank. They just canceled your ability to know what it is. Yep, there is actually a copy of the tweet right here. Did you know that after 18 years, we're still using page rank and thousands of other singles in ranking? Uh, and that's from 2017, which I'm sure is probably still pretty good. Yeah, it's from Gary Isles. It's the value proposition of why Google search is better than the rest. So they're not going to cancel that. It's a barrier to entry. Bing cannot use PageRank patent because it's patented. <laughs> so Bing must be doing something different. So yeah, I, I would wager that while backlinks correlate strongly with rank position, that PageRank is a thing. Yep. Uh, this post is from SEO Power Suite, the link assistant guys, and it really promotes their tool. I'll scroll down here so you can see it, the SEO Spyglass, and their in-link rank score, which is their version of uh, PageRank. Uh, same as domain authority, URL rank, uh, and citation flow. Trust flow, this is their own little version. Uh, I found this version to actually be pretty decent uh, when you're doing uh, looking at link analysis. I don't know how much I trust it uh, yet because I've not tested it in the wild uh, as much as I've tested uh, address URL, URL rank when I'm doing link selections. Um, but it, again, this, this is a really good one to kind of walk you through if you're a user of this tool or um, you're thinking about using it you can kind of see what you can get out of it do you know offhand if they have an api because if they do we could we could compare them side by side with the others no they don't actually they're really stingy about that like i asked about how come you can't integrate ahrefs into your tool and make it much more useful to me uh and they said no because we have in rank well, then we could probably find a you know a handful of high competition keywords and do it manually and correlate anything. So yeah, they stack up. That'd be true. Yep. Yeah. Um, and anyway, that'd be an interesting thing to know. Uh, but but I think this is a good reminder of what PageRank is, kind of how Google, they think Google is using it and how they're how they're measuring it. Um, if anything, there's a cool infographic there you can swipe and use on your social media accounts. <laughs> but if if you're in this market and you're saying your link database is better, then offer an API. Let us let us test that. Yeah. That'll be a good one. Maybe I'll reach in or reach out to them again and see. Uh, since it is Java software based, um, 
I'm not sure how that'll work. Well, they have but, to. Have the yeah, there's got to be something that that software is pulling out of, right? So. Yeah, yeah, because I guarantee their software isn't crawling the internet. Yeah. Uh, so they have something on the back end with a massive repository of backlinks. Or this isn't what we think it is. <laughs> Could be. All right. So let's see. Next one. Four-step lead generation analysis to optimize sales conversions. I put this one here because, again, on the copywriting stick, uh, this is a good way to figure out what is going on in your funnel and why you are not closing leads. This is also a good write up to kind of redo and package uh, in your own in your own voice to give to your clients so that when they're talking about to you about well I got 50 phone calls and no one bought uh, you know the Clint Butler SEOs will say well that's because your sales suck the other as you know, Ted SEOs will be a little bit gentler and nicer and be like well this is how I can figure out why <laughs> well you, you know what the the way I view this a lot of people have a a, a lot of difficulty like if you're a web developer then this is the stuff that you really have difficulty wrapping your mind around and the way i kind of view it is you got to kind of step outside your business and think about it like it's a car engine and you want to tune that engine for performance so you got to think about it like a you know a prototype of your business and how can you tweak it in order to get the most out of it and that's what this kind of thinking is, is how how can we step outside our business and say, why aren't people walking in the door? What can I calibrate to get more people walking in the door? And it's that kind of thinking. Right. And that's contradictory to what a lot of business owners you'll see. They're emotionally tied to their websites. Uh, and that kind of prohibits them from looking in that that view that you're just talking there too. Yeah, yeah. And and so it comes to this concept of, you know, my business is a small business. It is unique to me only. But that's not the kind of thinking you want to put on it. You want to think about, well, if it was a franchise and I was going to tell somebody else how to succeed with my business, what would be in that franchise prototype? What would be in the standard operating procedure binders? How do we treat the customer? How do we get the customer in the door? How, what do we tell the customer we're selling? And and it gets, it's, you know, when you get into that way of tuning the engine, then you can really start to say, does, you know, does A actually increase revenue? Does B do it better? That makes perfect sense. Uh, another one that they want to kind of highlight is going after your your sales crew and, and finding out you know common denominators uh, of your of the people who do sell and shifting your marketing focus your or in our case the SEO focus to those people, uh, which is a great point. I actually heard a similar point uh, at SEO uh, Spring Training from Marty uh, on brand positioning and positioning and he was telling us some stuff that he did uh, when he reviewed the customer the actual customer the people that were giving them money and changed the focus of the SEO for this big company um, he made a crap ton of money like in the 300 million range um, just by changing the positioning based off of the information that he was learning from the customer uh, that was already given them money. So I think this is a good post for everyone to read. 
Uh, in particular, if you are one of those, you know, funnel haters, oh, I hate funnels because, you know, the click funnels thing is beating this down to death. Um, this is a good thing to look at and see where you can fix your funnel. And if you don't have one, probably a good reason to actually make one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you're not tuning the engine, don't be surprised that your car sucks. Yeah. Well, if you're driving a Pinto, you're going to get Pinto performance. <laughs> uh, I mean, you want, you want it to be reliable. You want to know that when you go on the road trip that it isn't going to crap out. You know? That's for sure. Same thing with your business. Excuse me. Social Media Explorer. I haven't been to this site in quite some time. Most of the stuff was regurgitated garbage over and over again. But this one's pretty good. It's a voice search and the latest trends, quote unquote, for 2019. And what this brought up is, in my, in my head, is I look at analytics for hundreds of websites uh, on a monthly basis. And I'm not seeing voice search as a relevant traffic driver for us. Uh, but there's other SEOs that swear by it. Uh, you know, they're looking at all the, the Google well, series and blah, blah, blah. Some, somebody else had an article recently that said the majority of voice search answers are coming from the knowledge graph. Yeah. And that would, you know, preclude them from visiting your website. Right. And a lot of people are optimizing for that. And here's what I think they're doing. They're populating pop populating the knowledge graph and Google's using your crap to provide the answers and not really giving you credit. Yeah. And the other problem is nobody's talking about the limited power of voice search. I see the heading up there, the power of voice search. Well, here's the problem. You're looking at a market of people with cell phones who can do voice search, who are standing in line at a bus stop and are they going to say into their phone at the bus stop with people around them where to buy a pregnancy test or pregnancy test nearby? You know, are they going to do that from their phone? So there are entire categories of searching behavior that have, you know, social impact to voice search that will never happen in a voice search in public. And so, you know, the question becomes, what are people comfortable voice searching around their coworkers, around the water cooler, at the bus stop? And it's not all searches. Oh, did we lose you, Clint? Uh-oh, I can't hear Clint, so it sounds like I'm in charge of the show now. <laughs> or I'm offline. Can somebody in chat... Uh, uh, no, it's Clint that's offline. Okay, so it's just me. So, yeah, so until Clint gets back, welcome to the TED Show. <laughs> Pitches allowed. Crazy theories allowed. Um so we got some people saying that's a good point uh, that not not all uh, voice searches, not all searches are capable of being good voice searches. And the you know I have an Alexa, uh, <laughs> I have an Alexa, and I look at the types of stuff that I ask Alexa. 
you know, Alexa, set a timer 15 minutes because I'm, you know, boiling water. I ask Alexa, who was the president of X, you know? Um, one thing we don't use our Alexa for because we're not comfortable doing it is shopping. And one of the things my kids have a, you know, a tremendous giggle about is, Alexa, add a hippo to the shopping list. <laughs> you know? And Alexa will add a hippopotamus to the shopping list, you know. Uh, we're not necessarily comfortable with all the things that voice search capability is capable of. And it's kind of like Google Glass. You know, everybody thought Google Glass was going to be the next big thing until they realized that there are glass holes who are recording you doing everything and nobody's comfortable around being around them. So is voice search like Google Glass? Can you hear me now? We can hear you now. Yes. <laughs> what the hell is that all about? <sighs> you know what happened is every I started looking at new computers, and so well, my current computer decides it wants to have drama. So, <laughs> so, so the, the point I brought up is, you know, is voice search like Google Glass? Do you want to be the glass hole at the bus stop that's saying annoying crap into your phone, making everybody else feel awkward? <laughs> And this is for Nicholas. Alexa, set alarm for 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to trigger my Alexa? It's been for cooking timers on my computer. <laughs> Let's see how that works out. All right. So anyway, so my my point. Alexa, volume 10. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my point here is I think you guys should look at your analytics and check out is voice search sending you traffic? Uh, and if you have multiple websites in kind of the same niche, see if voice search is sending traffic in any way to the for that niche. If it is, then go ahead and leverage it. If it's not, then don't jump on the bandwagon or, oh, you got to do it, because really all you're going to do is feed Google more information and more reason not to send you traffic. Um, I think it's a great, maybe it's some good exposure, especially if you're doing articles for uh, information, information support articles and supporting articles, then, then why not put it out there uh, and try to get the uh, knowledge graph to trigger into these uh, voice search things. There's a benefit there. You won't see it, but assuming that you'll get credit for providing that answer, uh, you can build some branding up. And maybe when they get home and actually want to search and read more about that information, they'll have you on top of mind. Uh, I can tell you, I've probably used it voice search five times in the, during this year uh, and it only was useful to me once so maybe I'm searching wrong but we'll see uh, any final thoughts on that one Ted no no I think I got a long-winded uh, uh, you know gripe about it out there already yeah it was pretty good you covered down quick I was thinking on your feet <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, so let's get into Scott Rogers' website. Uh, in the meantime, while we transition over to that, if you guys have any questions about this, what we talked about, leave them in the Skype or the chat box now. Uh, Ted, here's all your notes. So we're looking at personalizedwineboxes.com and weddingcardboxideas.com. 
All right. So, so when I looked at it, I, I, a wanted to learn about this business. Like, how does this business make money? What is the industry like? I, I wanted to know something about this business before I started running my mouth about how they could do it better. And uh, and so I got into it, and it's like, oh, okay, these are the you know these websites are kind of like some of my past clients who had problems with they had a product that consumers generally don't know how to search for. And so it's like, how do we approach this? How can we make SEO a good tool for this business when it isn't in the obvious sense? I think that's a good point. A lot of clients that come to us is, oh, I have a unique product. No one else is doing this. Yeah, we we solve a problem that no one knows they have. Yeah. If no one else is doing it, that might be a sign that you <laughs> either you're a forerunner or forerunner or what is that? What is that? I guess a, a box? What is the hell the word I'm looking for? Anyway, either you're really uh, on it and you're ahead of the, the curve, or two, no one even knows it's an issue like Ted was pointing out. So you did a trend search here and you compared uh, wedding card boxes and wedding decorations uh, and looking at the interest over time and found. A significant hole there that could be filled. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of a their product that they're offering is a kind of wedding decoration that the market just doesn't know to search for. Yeah. And so you you got to kind of think then. Okay, well we have we have a website that sells these wedding card boxes. They're a type of wedding decoration. Uh, but people in general who are getting married don't know to search for wedding card boxes or what they are or how they're used in the setting of a wedding. And so there's an education problem in order to get in front of the customer. And yeah. so my my advice is like, okay, well, maybe you need a synergy site. Maybe you need a blog about wedding decorations in general. And then on that blog, you can show and advertise wedding card boxes and explain why people who are getting married need them. And then you can turn that blog into an asset. So your store to sell wedding card boxes is merely an add to cart and checkout processor. But Ted, people said blogs are useless. But the thing you want to SEO is that blog about wedding decorations that actually educates the customer about what you sell. So you find them in an informational search environment, uh, and then that's where you take the opportunity to inform them of the new product opportunity or a new gift idea. Um, I had that term on the head because you had another one here about gift ideas. Yeah, yeah. So... The, the problem is, is you could go to, you know, a hundred different SEOs and they'll tell, they'll tell you, put this keyword in your title tag, but you kind of need to step back and think about where your customers are first. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. So in your notes, you said make a blog about wedding decorations, target traffic to educate and sell. Uh, I like this one. You sell high-end poker tables from caveman blogs, not poker table stores. Well, you got that backwards from man cave blogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, because, yeah, you know, the, 
I, I had a customer that did high-end poker tables, and when you're selling a $4,000 table, you're really selling a lifestyle. You know, you got to get somebody to say, yeah, that could be my basement rec room. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not going to do that with the magic keyword. You know, you're going to do that with a blog that's showing what their life could be, and that's how you sell those tables. Makes sense. Makes sense. Or you find people who have that rec room, and then you're saying, wouldn't your rec room be a little more impressive with this? And, you know, it's 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 a different challenge than just putting a keyword in an H1 tag. Yeah. I think this one here is probably one that a lot of people mess up, is getting number one for a high competition, no value term is still a fail. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I had another client that, that was an, uh, an executive uh, VIP matchmaking service. And the people that could use that executive VIP matchmaking don't know how to search for it. You know, they don't know the industry jargon that gets them into the right service that has, you know, the discretion and the context to help those people. And so if you're using a jargon term like wedding card boxes, the general public probably doesn't know that jargon to search for it. And most of the people searching for it are probably other industry professionals that know the jargon. So how do you get in front of the market? That's true. It could also be, like I've pointed out several times, I use the deckless heat pumps example is 14,000 search volume. There's high competition. Everyone wants to rank for it, but there's actually no value uh, if you're you're ranking there. If people aren't in your service area in particular, uh, looking for it, because that would that be a good example of that? Yeah, yeah. You're you're getting out in front of the other people who are trying to rank for the same exact match term that the market doesn't understand why they need or what problem it solves. Yeah. That's a really good thing. If you guys are doing client SEO, maybe take a, this snippet of the show and use that to kind of guide your, your clients when they come at you with some 800-pound 800, 800 gorilla dream keywords uh, and tell them why you're actually targeting these lesser volume, they're easier, uh, but they convert yeah. other words. Yeah, and, and when you're selling a $4,000 poker table and Walmart is selling $150 folding poker tables, you really need to figure out about what you're trying to sell, who you're trying to sell to. And then it's not about the store. The store is a mechanism to add to cart and convert. What you're really talking about are the synergy sites, the man cave blog, the yeah. authority website on poker game rules, you know. The emotional trigger that's pulling you into buying the $4,000 versus the one fifty. Yeah, yeah. So at that point, the, the actual physical web store is merely a conversion vessel, and the synergy sites are probably the marketing asset. Okay. Let's see. No one searches personalized wine boxes. This is the other site for in reference to the personalizedwineboxes.com. And you suggested going after unique gift ideas instead, more search volume, 
Yeah, and uh, the the other one because there are two routes you could go. You could go around the you know unique gift ideas. It it could also be a wedding gift idea, but it could also be a wine gift idea. And so when you start looking at those terms, then it then it starts to make more sense. One thing I like to point out is you put unique gifts ideas, and you see that in the graph here, it kind of highlights Christmas time uh, when more people are looking at it. I would start, I would look at long tails, unique gift ideas for Mother's Day, unique gift ideas for Father's Day. Check that out and research into that more. And, you know, wine connoisseurs, unique gifts yeah. for wine lovers. Yeah, that would be, you know, look at that. You know, I, this is really cool. I actually like this idea. I might actually just buy one because of it. Yeah. Was, I do too. I and I'm glad I know about it. <laughs> you know, that's the whole challenge. Yeah. All right, let's go into some SEO stuff. These are things that Ted pointed out. Aggregate rating schema, the number one term site. There, there was a screenshot and I didn't save it, but uh, the number one site was using aggregate rating. Your site's not. Uh, title and meta description don't degree on term. Open graph is missing and some H1 stuff. To illustrate that a little bit better, we're going to just jump over into SERP works. But again, again, we're getting into the, you know, help becoming abuse because if you fix all these things on your store that nobody searches for, you know, you're, you're back to ranking number one for a term with no volume. Yeah, but the, also if you do change this and you just kind of implement a, a little bit over time, maybe you actually start getting more searches for personalized wine boxes. That'd be awesome. So uh, this would be useful not only for what you have now, but when you're doing the blog stuff, you can kind of take all this stuff into account. Uh, I'm looking at the, the comment. He, he writes, you know, I'm... Uh, I keep trying to nicely ask customers, how in the world did you find me? <laughs> when you're amazed they found you, then you understand you have a problem. <laughs> That's a good one. Maybe referrals. Uh, some things that I would fix, again, the, the, the title stuff, personalized wine boxes. I don't know. I would actually, maybe if you're going to have a brand behind this, personalized wine boxes, from the wine guy Scott or whatever, uh, kind of look at that to get you away from this EMD thing. Uh, yeah, I, I I would choose a different exact match. If I was going to brand around an exact match, it would be somehow related to, you know, gifts, gift ideas for wine lovers. Uh, you know, it's somehow, yeah, gifts for wine lovers, something like that would be a much better EMD. Yeah, if you're going to just stick at this, if the only thing you're ever going to do in your life is personalized wine boxes, then you couldn't have found a better domain name. Um, just play with this title a little bit more and kind of make it, you know, so what? You know what I mean? Uh, personal, this is kind of self-explanatory, but this thing here is, uh, yeah, so what? I don't care how you're doing it. What is the value to me? What is that emotional trigger is going to make me click? which kind of takes us back into that power keywords list. You kind of leverage that and throw that into your title tags as well. Uh, same with this. I clean these up a little bit, a little bit too long. It looks like you almost left them blank and then let the, the thing pull it out on its own. Uh, not necessarily a bad thing, uh, but you need to craft these more for the CTR. Obviously, you want to keep your keyword in there or a variation of it, 
but you know, think about CTR and how am I going to use this box to get more uh, clicks from the search results, which ultimately is what you want. And so uh, the H1 tags and stuff, this is really site structures now. Obviously, if you have to change and modify based off of the stuff Ted gave you, uh, you'll do that with the H1. Uh, I think this is fine. Personalized wine boxes, maybe add a little bit more, just you know, what my site is about. But when you get into the H2s, uh, Ted saw this before I did, but not one thing here is really related to your product whatsoever. Uh, the only thing here that is close is boxes. Uh, you don't want to wrap unnecessary words in your H2. It's like writing a college paper uh, and then having click here, find more, et cetera, as your heading. So you don't think of it, think about it in that way uh, and use related terms in here. You can get related terms. Uh, you know, you need gift ideas. That's that's a it's related term. Uh, you can get re related terms from the search results. Google gives you all those all at the bottom. Uh, or use keywords oh. everywhere and find out which ones get traffic and kind of plug those into here. So you're, you're reaching more people with one page. Yeah, don't yeah, don't so. use headings to make it bold. Don't yeah. use headings to make it have a large font size. You, you can use divs and span tags to style your text. Use headings if it's, you know, a a target keyword or has, you know, con context to your keywords. Right. It, and developers use headings as for styling, uh, but SEOs use headings for for relevance, right? So you have to find that balance. And if you're using a theme or something and you're at a point where you can change your theme uh, and, and use different things, then, then I would probably look at doing that. Uh, or learn how to use a builder that will help you do that a little bit easier, like Visual Basic or Oxygen. Oxygen is one that I'm playing with right now. It's coming highly recommended uh, from my mastermind. So uh, maybe check that out. It's called Oxygen, common spelling. Uh, H3s, you don't have any. So what I do is exact match H1, exact match H4. Uh, and then H2s and H3s come from uh, Google-related searches and Google Trends as needed. You fill in the blanks, but you kind of want to always, in my opinion, you always want to have some. Uh, Cora or Pop or your visual inspection of your competition will kind of tell you uh, how many you need. Uh, so you want to make sure that those are addressed. Page speed, according to the test here, is pretty good. Uh, I would look at webpagetest.org uh, just to verify that, that that's good. And the big one here that you should always address is your schema. And you can see right here you don't have – you have it in here, but there's errors, uh, so they're not reading it. And it's always one of these stupid, you're missing a comma, or you're missing a closed bracket. bracket. Uh, and Ted was thought that this might be a little bit overkill. I think you did a good job with this, actually. Uh, the only thing I would look at is why so many Twitter accounts – have your branch and really only have one. Uh, these are all related maybe, uh, but for Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, all those sites that will show up in the knowledge graph under your brand, you only want to have one because you'll never trigger the knowledge graph thing. Uh, let me see if I can show mine. Well, I, I thought the, the issue was that you had so many Twitter pages about wedding card boxes like how many 
wedding card box Twitter pages do you need? Yeah, the, the problem is Google is using that to populate this. Uh, so if you have a whole bunch of them, they're not going to know which one to use, so they won't use any. So you, you're kind of kicking yourself in the balls and, and taking this opportunity out of here uh, inside of the knowledge graph. So that's why you only want to put one in, inside of there. The other ones, like these other sites and stuff, that's okay. Um, if you're like if you're using an IFTT ring thing processing or you have some web twos on the uh, for your branded using GNOME, etc., you could put all of those in there if you want to. And I typically I just use the ones that are high DA uh, for that. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see your synergy sites show up in here, and I think you are kind of on the grasp on the on the cusp of, of getting to synergy sites. But you just have a lot that's about, you know, the the wine boxes. Yeah. And so, yeah, if you got into the uh, gifts for wine lovers or wine gift ideas, you know, those would probably be better synergy sites. Uh, and let's see. You don't have any product schema. You don't really have any product listings. So I, you probably get away with putting product schema on here. Uh, so you want to get that on there, too, because you're selling a thing. Uh, so if anything, I would make a product page and put product schema on there uh, yeah. to make sure you can leverage that. And if you don't have reviews, uh, this this is where we get into gray hat. But I think the stars in the search results are so important when you're selling a product. And if you don't have reviews, uh, first of all, work very hard to get reviews because you want them and you want them to be legitimate. But if you just don't have it and you're at a huge disadvantage, then maybe consider going the gray hat way and using the uh, author rank markup. And the difference between the aggregate ranking saying, I got 100 people to say I'm five stars, that's the aggregate uh rating schema. If you don't have that, then use the the author rating schema, which is you are a connoisseur and you personally are giving this a five star rating. Yeah. Um, you know, then it says five stars from Sally. You know, that's the, the kind of thing. Uh, but it gets the stars into the the search rating. And Google will penalize you if they catch you doing it, but it's such a valuable tool you know, I leave it to you to decide whether or not you want the, the disadvantage versus having the advantage and the risk. And honestly, Google's really going to find those if someone reports them or you're in a highly spanned up niche. And we already know that you're not. So uh, you can probably get away with doing that until you build more reviews that are, you know, quote unquote real. But <laughs> prioritize it. Make, it a, make it a goal. Yeah. Either way. Yeah, if you're already asking them where, how did you find me, then uh, it shouldn't be enough. And after you, they, you send them the box to get them to fill out something to give you a review. So, yeah, yeah, tell them, you know, make make a promotion that you'll reimburse shipping costs after the fact in exchange for a verified review. Yep. Good or bad. Okay, and then I don't know. Site design, SEO wise, I think it's fine. Conversion wise, I, I would have a little bit of trouble uh, trusting you at this point because it just doesn't look professional enough. I don't, I don't like you got some really good pictures here, but look how 
you know, I got to get the three clicks to see them. It should highlight a little bit more on the website in the better way. Uh, it's taking you into these these things here. Now I'm off the site and I got to figure out how to get back. You know what would help me with uh, that trust issue is if I saw that, you know, what are your payment options? Can I pay with PayPal instead of giving you a credit card number? Yeah. Uh, what are your shipping rates? Can, you know, can I get expedited processing for $20 extra? Can I get overnight shipping if I need it in a hurry? You know, these things... While, while you think that you're asking for more money, what you're actually doing is saying, hey, this is a legitimate business that has thought about all these concerns. Right. And if you look at Kyle's presentation he did on Fight Club from the medic aspect of it, uh, all that stuff kind of really applies to this econ. That's really what you are. You're an econ site. So. Yeah, yeah. So your hours of operation just the fact that you post hours of operation is a trust signal to me as a shopper. Yeah. Uh, the fact that you post a phone number saying, Hey, if, if you have questions or if you want to place an order by phone or, you know, you can contact me having that there uh, yeah. inspires confidence for me to buy. And it also inspires confidence from Google. So uh, and help you boost your rankings up. So look at that as well. I think that's it. Uh, like I said, Ted and I could probably go at this all day and, and figure, pick out all these things that are wrong. But I think we've given you a nice toolbox or, or a nice set of stuff to do uh, in your tools uh, to kind of flesh this out a little bit more. Um, I would go, I would probably, if I was prioritizing, design would be one, and then the blog to get the long tail traffic, get that kicking in, uh, would be. Uh, my one and twos. Yeah. Figure out how to get in front of your customers first, number one, and then let's SEO the crap out of that. Yeah. Let's, let's not SEO the crap out of this yet, because I don't think it's in front of your customers yet. For sure. And I will share this with Scott while I got it on the top of my head. If you guys have any questions, now is the time, because we've been talking uh, for a good hour now, and although we like the sounds of our voice, <laughs> probably needs to end this show. Uh, there you go. All right, Scott. So I shared that slide with you just so you can see some of that stuff that Ted pointed out. Uh, and I don't see any other questions from the news stuff, uh, so that's good. Uh, SEO. Fight Club tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, same time, uh, 11 a.m. Pacific. You tell me what's on the show. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So Kyle is working on getting us a guest, someone that we've all, all three of us, we know uh, and respect. I don't want to give out his name, set up the pressure, and, you know. Uh, if he decides he doesn't want to go or just doesn't have time. So Kyle's working on that. We think we pretty much locked that down. Uh, but next, tomorrow, if uh, we're going to talk about Anchor Text and what I do for Anchor Text classification, this would be really important if you're a core user because if some of that stuff is kind of in there, and this will help you uh, get a better look at that. And the reason we're looking at it is because 
if Cora and the tools like it have told us anything is that every keyword and every niche has a different set of requirements. Uh, and you need to be able to analyze anchor text of your competition, see where they're at, uh, and find the gaping holes in your own SEO plan uh, to fill them out. So I'm going to show you how I do it. Uh, and uh, I'll show you the spreadsheet. Uh, I'm not going to give out the spreadsheet because really it's it's how you're going to leverage it on your on your own. Uh, but I'll show you the spreadsheet and how how I look at it, and then you kind of take it from there. Maybe my way is overkill. You can do a little less layer or whatever, uh, but we'll see how that works out. So that's tomorrow on SEO Fight Club. Uh, and with that, I'd like to thank you for watching episode 118. Ted, thanks for coming. As always, great insights. And uh, I enjoyed uh, reviewing your website. No website is too small for us to ever review and look into. If if your business is small, that just means it's very important that it succeeds. And, you know, I, I love those challenges. So definitely let us know. Uh, come back in, in a few months. Let us know what you're doing and we can do round two. Yep, for sure. And remember this. This isn't just open to other SEOs. If you're a small business owner and you want us to look at your stuff, we'll, we'll do it. I'm not going to charge you any money or anything. We're here to provide value for the community. And you, as a business owner, doing your own SEO, you're part of our community. And we're glad to have you. So thanks again, and we'll see you next week.